Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Nation, let's go and welcome to Just Pod Baby brought to you by SB Nation. And you can find the show by subscribing to the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Also, go out there and give me a follow on Twitter at egroat 5 This is the week one recap show. Unfortunately, it's not coming on a victory Monday, but still lots to get into. The Raiders did fall to the Chargers 24 19. We saw the debut of Devontae Adams. He looked like the stud wide receiver that the Raiders have not had in a long time. But we also will get into some of the glaring weaknesses that I've talked about on the show throughout the summer. We're going to get into it all, the positives, the negatives, what went wrong, and what we can expect from this team going forward. In segment two, I will share with you my turning point play of the game. I'll break that play down for you. And we will also chat with contributor with SilverAndBlackPride.com. My new teammate at SB Nation, Matt Holder, is going to join us and discuss and recap the game. Uh, busy show, so let's dive right in now. Uh, we're going to go ahead and right at the top of the show, we're going to rip that Band-Aid off. I'm going to start with Derek Carr. Uh, it always begins and ends with the quarterback, right? Uh, he always seems to be the topic of discussion with this fan base, so we'll start at the top with him. Not a great performance by Carr in Week 1. To be honest, my, my, in my opinion, I thought he looked a little bit rusty. Uh, the timing, I thought, was off. He did not look totally comfortable um, and we saw that play out early on the Raiders' first possession when they were down in the uh, in the red zone near the goal line. It was on that third down play from the Chargers' five-yard line when he threw the ball behind Darren Waller on what would um, on what would have been uh, a touchdown. And you know that was kind of foreshadowing for the day that Carr would have because we would see him make similar throws like that throughout the game that would turn out to be critical mistakes. And, and of course, I'm talking about the three interceptions um, as well as the, the ball that was thrown behind Waller. Uh, we're going to get into those interceptions here. I'm going to start with the first one. Uh, at the end of the second quarter, It w- to me, you know, it was a combination of a couple of things, maybe a bad decision combined with uh, a really good play by the linebacker. I don't want to take anything away from Drew Tranquil. It was a heck of a play. Uh, I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure that, that Carr saw the linebacker dropping back into coverage. Uh, or or if he just thought you know he could put the ball over the defender but just wasn't able to do so um either way you look at it you know it's possible he made the wrong read um but i think the bigger issue that we saw played car throughout the game was was poor 
ball placement. And if you follow me on Twitter, I posted a couple clips of some of those throws that he made where I just, you know, thought the ball placement could have been much better. Anyways, that play there resulted in an interception, and, and that one especially hurt because two plays later, the Chargers uh, scored with 35 seconds left on the clock uh, before half. And that was the only turnover. Of the three turnovers that the Chargers forced, that was the only one that they were able to capitalize on with points. So the Raiders actually got a little bit lucky in that regard. Could, things could have been much worse uh, considering. Now, the second interception came later in the game, uh, fourth quarter, 13-20 uh, on the clock, and, and the Raiders trailed at that point 24-13. And, you know, I've got no problem, you know, tossing the ball out there, giving Devontae Adams a chance to make a play, but the ball was badly underthrown. And, again, I bring up ball placement. He, he never even gave Devontae a chance to, to do anything with it. The ball was, you know, uh, badly underthrown. And, uh, you know, Devontae had a step on his man. All he had to do was just lob it out there and let him run to it, and it would have been a touchdown. Um, You know, unfortunately, the Chargers took over, or I should say fortunately for the Raiders, the Chargers took over on their own two-yard line, and the defense forced a punt three plays later. But, you know, that was a chance for the Raiders there in the fourth quarter to cut that lead, and they just were not able to do so. So there's two touchdowns that, you know, could have happened had the ball been uh, thrown a little bit better by Carr. And then the third interception came on the Raiders' following possession. They forced that punt, they get the ball back, and two plays later, interception again. And it's the same issue as the the, the throw in the first quarter to, to Darren Waller earlier in the game where he missed him for the touchdown. Once again, he threw the ball behind Renfro. Now, if you go back and take a look, I haven't watched the game yet for a second time, but I've watched bits and pieces if you take a look at that play, he actually has a clean pocket in that play. Uh, Colton Miller did get pushed back a, a bit um, from the rusher, but Carr did not step up into the pocket, and I believe he should have in that play. If he had stepped up into the pocket, he would have had a, a clear throwing lane to make an accurate throw. Instead, he stood there, and because of where Miller was being pushed, it was kind of in Carr's face, he, he he made like an awkward throw. His arm angle was very awkward, and, and of course the rest is history. Just just too many missed opportunities on offense. I think that was you know kind of the story of the game uh, for this offense. And you know it's it's hard to believe that even with the three interceptions, that the Raiders had a chance with two minutes in the game to take the go ahead lead. Um, so that is the silver lining in this game. If you're looking for one, they they held tight. The defense, uh, you know, held held strong in the second half, and that is something that I'll speak a little bit more on a little bit later on. Um, you know, I I think um, if you listen to the audio uh, of of Carr after the game, he he spoke after the game, and he admitted that he may have been been uh, a little too aggressive with some of his throws, and I think. Um, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but you know, you've heard the saying, you can't go broke if you're taking a profit. You know, I think some, some of that mindset probably would have benefited Carr in yesterday's game. You love the fact that he's, he's being aggressive because that is one of the areas that he's been criticized, um, about in in recent years. You know, he was looking to push the ball down the field, both the throw to Adams that was intercepted and, and the play uh, over the middle before halftime to Waller. But, you know, We've all watched Tom Brady operate in that Josh McDaniels offense with the Patriots for many, many years. How many times do you recall him just kind of dinking and dunking the ball 
down the field with the Patriots, whether it was to a a, a, a back coming out of the backfield or a you know Julian Edelman, you know, and on a slant route. Sometimes you got to settle for those things. Um, so I would have liked to seen uh, have seen Carr do a little bit better of job of that in this game. Um, I do think he will settle down. He's going to play better. There's just too much talent around him uh, with all these weapons, and I think Josh McDaniels will coach him up. Um, so I'd look for a bounce-back game from from uh, Carr this coming week versus the uh, Cardinals, who were spanked by the uh, Chiefs. More on that later in the week. But um, the second topic that I want to discuss from the game is the offensive line. And again, this is probably one. This is definitely one of the negatives. You know, Carr was sacked six times in the game, and um, you know, I'll, I'll admit that I think some of the the sacks were due to coverage uh, downfield. But you know, also Carr held the ball at times. You know, because of that coverage, he was forced to hang on to the ball. Maybe he should have gotten rid of the ball. But but still, you know, the, the offensive line didn't play a, a great game either. There was just too many scenarios or, or situations, I should say, where where there were bodies all around Carr. In his face, um, no matter what, there was just too much traffic going on uh, at certain times. Um, again, I personally didn't think the offensive line was was good. Um, I just admitted that Carr held the ball too long on certain plays, but you know there are some differing opinions out there. I've been reading some articles from different writers, and I've listened to a couple different podcasts today. Um, I, I've seen some people say the offensive line wasn't that bad. Some say they were awful. You know, I guess it's, it depends on whose opinion you value, other than your own. But to me, I I saw a quarterback that was was under duress a, a little bit too often. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, they did allow eight pressures in the game: one by Andre James, one by Illuminor, and two each by Miller, Mumford, and, and Simpson. And then that brings me to my final point in regards to the offensive line and. That's the question that I have for all of you out there listening. What is going on with the rotating of the right guard and the right tackle four to five different times throughout the game? It seemed like every time I was looking up uh, at the screen, there was a new a new right side of the offensive line in. I can't remember a time where I've seen in a regular season football game multiple offensive linemen rotating in and out of the game. Think about it. Can Can you recall a time that you have seen that happen that often because I can't. And I'm not a big fan of it personally. Now, I fully trust Josh McDaniels and, and Carmen Brasilio, the offensive line coach. But I was on Silver and Black today, the postgame show, uh, Sunday night with Scott Kilbranson and, and Murph from uh, Raider Fan Radio. Make sure you're uh, subscribing to that show, by the way, if you don't. Anyways, I, I mentioned it on there. Not a fan of it. I'd like to see... Uh, the Raiders allow one of those offensive linemen to earn the job. I feel like the offensive line especially is a position where you need to get into the rhythm and and the flow of a game, get used to the speed of those rushers coming off the edge, the power. If, you know, if the right tackle who starts the game is doing a bad job, then, then take him out. But this to me looked like this was all planned. This was definitely a planned rotation. They knew this was the game plan going into the game. And from what I've heard from McDaniels and his, his press conference on Monday, this is going to be something that they continue to do going forward. Uh, absolutely, this tells you they have no idea what they're, you know, who their starting right guard is and right tackle. And, and that's a major problem. We all know it. We've talked a lot about it uh, on the show 
throughout the past couple weeks. Now, in college football, you often see teams rotate quarterbacks. It's not that uncommon to see teams rotating the quarterback. Happens a lot. And sometimes when that happens, you will also hear the saying that if you've got two quarterbacks, it means you don't have one quarterback. How many have you have heard that before? Because I know I have, and I think that is the case you are seeing play out right now on the right side of this Raiders offensive line. To me, they need to pick a guy who they feel comfortable with right now and let him go out there and either win the job, keep the job, or lose the job. Let it play out on the field. But the in and out, I'm personally not a fan of it, but we'll see what happens going forward. One last point um, that I want to make on the offensive line in, in um, talking about the rotation that was going on, I, I found it strange that McDaniels would put Dylan Parham and, and Thayer Mumford out there together, and they were out there together at times. Two rookies in their first NFL game ever on the same side going up against that defensive line. I I, I thought that was not setting them up to be successful. And uh, to me, that, that was questionable uh, for sure. We'll see what they do uh, you know, in the next couple games here, but that is something that I would like to see um, try to be solidified if they could. The final negative takeaway from the game, uh, before I get to some of the positives, and I do have some positives, so so hang hang with me, hang tight. Uh, you know, I got to admit, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, and, and you might think I'm being a little picky on this one, but I need to see more from those two, especially from Jones. Um, Crosby was credited with, with seven pressures I saw in Pro Football Focus, Jones only with two. Um, and I don't want to be too hard on Max. He did have 10 tackles in the game, um, and he was a little bit better in the second half, but... Um, I, I need to see them get home more. That That's what you pay these guys to do. Um, and, you know, and, and, and bottom line, I know, I know Herbert is, is a tough quarterback to bring down. He's big, strong. Um, he can move, but the impact plays, and I've talked about this before with Crosby. I love the guy, but the impact plays are just sometimes missing, uh, and, and, and that's kind of what we saw in this game. A lot of money invested into those two players need to see a larger return going forward. Small sample size, I know. I'm not worried about those two. They'll get it going. Just didn't happen here in week one. So those are some of the negative takeaways. Let's get to the, some of the positives from this game. Of course, you got to start with Devontae Adams. How good was he? As good as advertised, in my opinion. You you saw a little bit of everything from him. The route running the run after the catch, the hands, the touchdown catch that he caught, you know, full extension with the, right on the end of his fingertips. I mean, he's just a total package. Love to see the start that he is off to. 10 catches on 17 targets, 141 yards, and that touchdown that I just mentioned. Some people think Carr was, was maybe locked into him a little bit too much, maybe even force-feeding it to him a bit. I do think we saw some of that, but I also think that's something that Raider Nation needs to get used to. Adams is one of the best in the business. He's a great route runner. He knows how to get open. And more times than not, he's going to be open. He's going to be open, so he's going to demand the ball, and he, and he should. That's just not something that we are used to seeing. We're used to seeing receivers that struggle to get open. That's not the case anymore. Uh, do I expect 17 targets every game? No, but there is a reason that they gave up two draft picks. There's a reason they paid him all that money. Use him. That's what I say. So, you know, I'm happy with the start that that 
um, Adams is off to, and I, I, you know, the connection between Derek Carr and Adams clearly is there. It should only get better as the season goes on. My other positive takeaway from the game uh, has to be Nate Hobbs. Love, love the way the game he played. I thought he stood out. Really made impact early in the game. Uh, made some plays in the run game, close to the line of scrimmage. I think he had a, a couple tackles for loss. You love to see cornerbacks play with that kind of physicality, willing to come up, help in the run game. It's great to see as you know from a young player, especially. He's a great open field tackler, and then he made the big play late in the game as well. I believe it was a third down play where he you know had a PBU there to help get the ball back to the offense. Um, you know he's going to become a household name. It's it's only a matter of time. I, I think they really nailed it with him. He too is off to a great start. Um, we've we've speculated um, in previous shows how he would be used, and it, it kind of played out how we we thought based on what we were hearing. He lined up outside, cornerback in, in base defense, and then in the nickel package they moved him into the inside. Twenty one snaps taken on the outside to be exact, and I was on Pro Football Focus today. In coverage, he allowed only um, one reception on five yards, only targeted two times. So that tells you something. They were not looking his way. Graded out really well over at Pro Football Focus with an 86. And then the final positive that I want to talk about is is the second half defense. We all know Justin Herbert had his way for the most part, put up some good numbers, 275 yards passing, was very efficient with his completion percentage. But I got to say, the defense did tighten it up. Uh, especially in the second half, they forced three crucial punts um, in the in the fourth quarter, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, excuse me, three in the second half, two in the fourth quarter, and at that point in time where they forced those two punts, the score was 24-13. So that was that was a you know a chance for the offense to try to get back into the game. Now holding the Chargers to 24 points, to me, that's a victory. That that's tough to do. This is a top five offense last year that scored a lot of points. Now they didn't register a sack. Or a turnover, you'd like to see that get change. But you know, I thought they kept the offense in the game, and that's really all you can ask for is to give that offense a chance. And um, you know, another thing to keep in mind is that the Chargers—they're a darn good team offensively, especially. Uh, so I, I, you know, after having some doubts with the offense, or excuse me, the defense in the off season, I've got some more optimism about this unit going forward. Uh, just overall, you know. Again, the Raiders lost to a good team uh, on Sunday, a, a team who has a better roster. There's, there's no other way around it. They've got a better roster, more depth, and they were favored to win this game, and they did. But, as I mentioned, the silver lining, with two minutes to go in the game, the Raiders had the ball with a chance to go down the field and, and take the lead. No, it didn't happen this time. We saw it happen many times last year. It didn't happen this time. But Raider Nation, I, I don't believe you should be overly concerned. It was a five-point loss to a good team. The Raiders were sacked six times, turned it over three times. Things are going to get better. So, you know, you know, just just take the chill pill, as they say. Um, and, and just one final point before I, I get to a break. I don't want to sound like one of those guys who's out there, oh, I told you so, you know, I, I, I warned you about this. But if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, if you think back to um, after Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler were named as the new head coach and general manager, 
I said that I expected some regression from this team. Okay, and I pointed out two reasons why I thought a regression was possible. Number one is that I thought it was going to take time for things to come together. A new offensive scheme, a new defensive scheme, new personnel. It's going to take time. Even with the greatest players and greatest coaches, sometimes it just takes a little bit longer to to get all those moving parts working together. So I, I would say to you, be patient as they work through some of these growing pains. Uh, number two, I've said this many times as well, both on Twitter and on the podcast, last year the Raiders won seven of their ten games by an average of 3.42 points. They were the comeback kids last year, especially in that win streak that they needed to have to get into the playoffs. You can't rely on that recipe all the time to win games. Eventually, it's going to come back to, 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 to bite you. And, and, and on Sunday, we saw Derek Carr with a chance to engineer a come-from-behind win, a spot that he's been very, very good. Don't get me wrong. He's very, very good in that spot. But it didn't happen, right? It ended with him uh, getting sacked, I believe, right? So just keep those two factors in mind. You know, I, I, that's part of the reason why I was hesitant to go out there and, and proclaim the Raiders, you know, a 12-win team. They're going to win the division. I, I didn't do those things. I was a little bit hesitant because of those two factors. So please keep that in mind. All right, so that is my recap, some positive and negatives from the game. I'm going to step aside now for a quick break, and when I return, I will bring you some updates to the injuries, injury report. Looks like they're going to be without Anthony Averett for a couple weeks. Also, I want to share with you my turning point play of the game, and we will also be joined by Matt Holder, part of the team over at Silver and Black Pride. Lots going on here. Just Pod Baby Week 1 Recap Show brought to you by SB Nation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field on Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. All right, welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Part of the SB Nation Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Make sure you are subscribing to the channel to get this podcast as well as many other great podcasts out there. Um, I told you that I would have an update to the injuries uh, in the game yesterday. Anthony Averett uh, is the big one. It sounds like he's going to be out for some time. Suffered a broken thumb, according to a tweet by uh, Ian Rappaport. Likely uh, headed for surgery. Uh, could miss up to a month. It's possibility that he heads to the IR. And in a corresponding move because of that, the Raiders have gone out and signed Nikhil Roby Coleman, um, according to Aaron Wilson on Twitter. He's a cornerback with, uh, he's a veteran cornerback with six career interceptions, three touchdowns, 49 
pass deflections. I don't know a ton about uh, Roby Coleman, but looks like the Raiders are going to bring in some help there at cornerback. Also, Trayvon Merrick left the game early in the, I think it was the first half. Um, not sure the, the degree of uh, seriousness with his injury, but you know we're already starting to see this the secondary uh, starting to take some hits. I had concerns about the secondary, especially the depth. We'll see what they have uh, behind those two players should Merrick miss some time as well, but something to monitor here. The other thing that I want to do here uh, as part of the, the recap shows each week is I, I want to do a segment here uh, where I give you my turning point play of the game. So we'll do that now. I talked about the play earlier in the show. We're going to get to more detail about that now. We're going to take a listen to some of the audio here, courtesy of the CBS uh, broadcast. Second down, 13. Three timeouts. Downfield. Intercepted. It's the linebacker, Tranquil. Here comes Drew Tranquil. Looking for a block on the play. Got it for Morgan Fox. Carr has just thrown a pick to the 30-yard line. The return, 19 yards. And there you heard Kevin Harlan with the call. Great call. He's got a lot of energy, that guy. Uh, I enjoy listening to him on the broadcast, but... That was my turning point play of the game, and, and you may be um, surprised that my turning point play of the game occurred in the in the second quarter of the game, but that was the case in my opinion. That was a, a major uh, change of momentum. The score was 10-3 at that point, uh, 53 seconds to go before half. The Raiders got the ball at half. Keep that in mind. That's another important part of the, the, the story. Um, trailing by 10, now, the Raiders would have had to cover some some ground there as far as yardage is concerned. They, they took over that drive, um, I believe, on their 25-yard line. Um, so they had a long way to go to even get into to field goal uh, range. But um, Carr threw the interception. The, the ball was underthrown to Darren Waller. Tranquil made a great play. I already kind of broke the play down for you. But that was a major swing because rather than the Raiders getting three points or even seven points to tie the game or get the game within within four. Instead, the Chargers get the ball back. Two plays later, they score a touchdown. So that that is a huge swing to go from 10-6 or 10-10 to 17-3. And, and, you know, then because of that, the, the Raiders were kind of playing from behind the entire second half. In fact, they never led, right? So, you know, the Raiders played from behind the entire game, and that's hard to do, kind of changed... The game plan, they were not able to really stick with that run game, although they did have some success with it in the second half. It really, it really to me, was the turning point in the game. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that quick little segment there. What we'll do now is we're going to go out to the phone line, and we're going to welcome in uh, my teammate at Silver and Black Pride, Matt Holder. He joins us on Just Pod Baby to help recap the Raiders' Week 1 loss to the Chargers. Uh, before I bring Matt in, though, make sure you're following him on Twitter. That's at mholder95. And... We've got a lot to discuss, Matt, so let's get right into it. I want to start with some of the positives. Devontae Adams, 10 catches, 141 yards, and the touchdown. I thought we saw the full skill set on display from him. What are some of your initial thoughts on Devontae Adams' debut in Silver and Black? I mean, yeah, I thought it was like like Eugene has talked about. I think we saw like the the full skill set. I think he was as advertised. I mean, um, I mean, I ended up what with 140 yards. I think you said 10 catches, something like that. And you know, a few plays were even left on the table where he was winning, and uh, unfortunately, Derek Carr couldn't hit him. But you know, it's funny. You even go look at uh, the touchdown catch he had. I don't know how many guys make that play because that ball was well out in front of him. I think Vic Tafer shared the the screenshot of the the image on uh, Twitter today, and you know, he's full stretched and uh, and still hauling it in for a touchdown. 
So, I mean, it was, like you said, as advertised, um, you know, about almost as good as of a debut of, uh, as he could have had individually, obviously would have liked to mix in a win and win in a, that set in that statement as well. But yeah, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful game where he was, he was winning and creating separation and doing his thing. Yeah. You know, some people out there were, were actually finding a negative in that despite the, the great game that he played, I saw a lot of people commenting on the fact that they thought Carr was kind of force feeding him the ball a little bit. I mean, he did have 17 targets, but you know, to me, that is the reason why you go out there and you, and you pay that kind of money to bring in a receiver as talented as him. He's gonna he's gonna demand you know a lot of targets. Did you did you think Carr was a little bit too locked in on Adams in that game though? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you know as far as we're talking about Devontae Adams' performance, I don't think that's a that's a knock on him per se. But I do think I did feel like in the first half a little bit he's probably forcing it uh, a little bit too much and probably not spreading the wealth like we've seen Derek Carr do in the past, which is a little bit shocking. But then I think in the second half when, you know, Waller started to get going, especially I think they started to figure it out and started to click. Um, but I definitely felt like he was favoring him a little bit, like I said, in those first couple of quarters. And then as the game wore on, I think Carr started to settle in and realize, you know, he does have a couple other, uh, you know, what, eight-figure receivers, eight-figure pass catchers out there that he can throw to too. But, um, you know, as far as knocking Devontae on Adam on that, I, that that logic doesn't quite hold up with me, if you you know what I mean. Like that's uh, not his problem that he's uh, getting open every play. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one of the other positives for me anyways, you know, I thought the defense, particularly in the second half of the game, you know, they had to deal with the um, losing a couple players from the secondary, but I thought mm-hmm. they held up well and, and got some critical stops in the fourth quarter especially, and they gave the offense a chance, you know, when the score was 24-13. It wasn't perfect, no. It wasn't perfect by any means, but, but I, I think I saw plenty to build on there going forward. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think there were some definitely some highlights. I mean, Max Crosby kind of did his thing. It went a little bit unnoticed because he didn't get the sacks or anything like that, but he was wreaking havoc in the in the uh, Chargers' backfield. I think ended up with the still a good amount of pressures and all that. And um, um, you know, like you said, the secondary was beat up, kind of beat up or kind of thin already going into the game. Ended up playing well and ended up having a, you know a few guys end up contributing for him. Um, hopefully, Anthony Avery gets back soon so they can. Uh, get another DB back in the, uh, in the lineup and not have to be aware of too thin. But, yeah, I mean, the second half, they buckled down. And like you said, they, they were good enough to get the job done to, to give them a chance to win. And against a, a high-flying offense like the Chargers that um, are in a, in a great quarterback and Justin Herbert, I don't think that's any sort of uh, any sort of performance that you can you know feel down about or anything too, too much. There's not going to be a whole lot of teams that, that keep the Chargers 24 points this year. So I definitely think it was a – it was a promising sign, but obviously, like you said, still some work to do, still some meat left on the bone. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the, the injury to Anthony Averett. Are you all concerned about the, the depth in the secondary now? I mean, that was one of my concerns that, that I had going into the season. You know, I wasn't totally, you know, sold on the secondary. Now they, they have some injuries. I'm not sure what the what the status of, for Trayvon Merrick is, but um, with, without Averett now here, do you think they can, they can manage through this with some of the depth at, at the cornerback position? I mean, yeah, the depth, like, like same, I'm in the same boat as you depth going into the, uh, the season, going into the off season was, um, was obviously a big question mark. And then they, they traded Trayvon Mullen, which, you know, makes sense if he's not going to be able to be healthy and be able to play either. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely concerned. This is kind of the, this without the scent, the fact that they're going to be without Anthony Averett for an extended period of time was about as worst case scenario as you could have had for the Raiders corners. You know, um, it definitely feels like even though, you know, he wasn't quite hundred percent healthy, kind of feel like you want that Trayvon Mullen trade a little bit back. Cause now you'd have, like, love to have someone like him to, 
to turn to in uh, in a situation like this. But you know, Emmick Robertson, I know he didn't play much. The one play I did notice, he missed another tackle, which is how it was a big issue for him last year, and definitely gives me a more pause for concern. But um, you know. Like, like we were just talking about, they did end up stepping up. They didn't end up holding the Chargers till I think a touchdown in the second half. That was it. So there's some promising signs, but yeah, heading in and uh, heading into a game against, let's see here, the the Cardinals who have a pretty good receiving core, even without DeAndre Hopkins, it's definitely going to get tested this week. Yeah, and you know they did go out and sign uh, just today. Uh, they signed uh, Nikhil Roby Coleman, I believe was his name. So yeah, you know that tells you all you need to know about some of the depth they have. Um, at corner we are joined by matt holder contributor at silver and black pride and matt's helping us recap the week one loss to the chargers i do want to move into some of the negatives from the game of course we got to talk about Derek carr with the three interceptions you know i've mentioned i I thought ball placement you know was was one of the big issues that he had yesterday you know you're a film guy i'm not sure if you saw the all 22 yet but what did you see from from Derek carr's performance that led to some of his struggles i mean i think uh you know you 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 touched on a little bit too the ball placement the one throw that he had that um i believe it was drew tranquil that picked that picked off you know if that ball's a couple inches higher or anything like that that's probably big completion to darren waller for a big gain um and then i i'm still trying to figure out what the heck happened with the on the one on Devontae adams you just short-armed it i guess but you know we know Derek carr has a has a strong enough arm and to not see him be able to make that throw and underthrow it so bad, badly that um that one really hurt and everything like that. And I think kind of like what we were talking about a little bit with, with the Devonte Adams, I felt like he was almost pressing a little bit too more, like playing a little bit too much, too much of hero ball, which he kind of talked about when he was saying he's being too aggressive in the, the post game press conference where, you know, he's trying to force things in. You know, I felt like that the throw to Waller was again, you know, a perfect ball or a great ball gets that done, but that is a risky throw. And, and, uh, you know, I can't even remember what his, uh, what the other interception was at this point, but it was definitely felt like, to me, it just seemed like a guy who was probably playing uh, not to lose a little bit and in the sense to and just trying to make things happen, playing a little bit of that hero ball versus someone who, you know, the Derek Carr we've seen in the past kind of play free and loose and, and sling it around the yard and not think as much. Felt like he was thinking a little bit too much, too, which uh, I feel like we saw a little bit when he was standing in the pocket for too long, maybe. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, and I think that, you know, he's well aware of the expectations that, this offense has, you know, he knows now that he's got a number one wide receiver. He's got a premier tight end and one of the top slot guys in the game. And I think he felt a little bit of that pressure from the expectations. And I think that's kind of why you saw him, um, you know, being a little bit too aggressive, as he said in his his postgame press conference. But um, I do want to move on a little bit here. I I talked about the second half defense um, as a positive, but I I want to point out one of the, the negatives performances on the defense um I'm, I'm gonna leave max crosby out of this one because he did have the 10 tackles and, and he did have the seven pressures would have liked to see him get home a little bit but but chandler jones you know he left me wanting a lot more they paid him a lot of money in the off season um you know is that a fair assessment you know in my opinion to be a little bit critical with with chandler jones in, in that week one game I mean, I feel like, you know, you talk about the money and you bring up the money that he's making. And obviously that, you know, brings a certain expectation, especially when it comes to sacks and all those stat sheet fillers. I didn't think Standard Jones played that bad or is at least as bad as people reacted. But I, again, I kind of get it where it's where it's coming from, where, hey, this is a guy that's they paid. I don't even remember how much, what, 55 million or something like that in the, in the offseason, some ridiculous amount. 
you don't pay a guy for that to just kind of be a dude on your defense. You pay that you pay that kind of money to be the dude on your defense if you you know know what it catch my drift and know what I mean. So I think that was kind of where the frustration where I don't think he necessarily played poorly per se. It just wasn't to the level where you know of the premier pass rusher, premier defensive end that you, that you would hope for from a guy that's making as much money as he is. Yeah, and I, and I think the fact that you know the, the matchup between. Uh, the Raiders pass rushing duel of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones going up against uh, Bosa and Mack. I think that kind of got hyped up a little bit. So to me, as I said, you know, when you saw the type of performance that Bosa and, and, and Mack right. had, it just it left me a little bit disappointed. But, you know, I'm not worried about Chandler Jones. I think he'll be fine uh, going forward. One of the other things that, of course, is getting a lot of press uh, is the offensive line. So we got to talk about that. And you can share with us your thoughts on the performance overall, but – one thing that I, I really want to discuss with you is the rotating that we saw at right guard and right tackle. I talked about it in segment one uh, of the show today. You know, you watch a lot of film. Have you ever seen that done so many times in a regular season game? At the NFL level? No, <laughs> to put it simply. <laughs> right. You know, it, it, it is something that you see a lot with, like, you know, a lot of colleges where they don't get the preseason to kind of figure things out. But I think it just speaks to the the nature of the right side of the Raiders offensive line, which is not even the coaching staff really knows what what to do at this point. Like, obviously, I think I could guarantee you if you go ask Josh McDaniels and get an honest answer from him on August 1st of, hey, would you want to have, you know, your right tackle and right guard solidified? Or would you want to have guys rotating in and still figuring out who's going to be the guy? He's not going to tell you that it's, that it's the latter. He's going to want the guy that to have the guy that's kind of cemented in that in that spot. And I mean, it was. Definitely one of the weirder things I've seen or where the weirder aspects of that game, because, <laughs> excuse me, like I said, I don't know how many times I've seen that in an NFL level, especially with the preseason when that's usually when you, you see those kind of things shake out. I mean, even the Raiders did it in the in the preseason at this point with Alex Leatherwood and Thayer Munford kind of exchanging exchanging reps throughout the, the whole preseason. So I definitely have not seen that before. It definitely causes me worry that they don't have that locked down. So it's definitely one of the things that we're going to have to monitor for the next month or so. And hopefully that gets figured out sooner rather than later. Cause that, that, uh, that you can't, I mean, to put it simply, you, you can't play winning football with an offensive line. That's you never know who's going to be the guy next to you. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, 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 you know, personally, you know, I'm no offensive line guru, but it seems to me that it's a position that, You'd want your guys to be able to kind of get into a rhythm, you know, get used to the speed of the game, the, the, the rushers coming off the edge. I cannot imagine that pulling guys in and out is going to help them. I, I'd much rather they just pick two guys, whoever it may be, pick a right tackle, pick a right guard, and let them go out there, let them play a full game and see what happens. If it gets ugly, then, then, then make a change. But the in and out, I'm just not a big fan of it. So it sounds like you're on board with that philosophy. Um I do just have one more um, before I get you out of here. What would your, your message be to Raider Nation overall following the loss? You know, I, I read a lot of Raiders Twitter out there. Sounds like people are already hitting the panic button. You know, the season's <laughs> over. Derek Carr, I told you he was no good. All that kind of stuff. I'm sure you saw it too. Yeah. Big yeah. picture though. You know, you have to look at this for what it is. It was a five-point loss against a very good team. Top five offense from a year ago. A lot of people are picking them as a, a trendy pick to, to uh, you know, go a long way in the AFC conference. They had the, the three turnovers, you know. Besides the offensive line play, because we just discussed that, did, did did you see anything else throughout the game that you believe Raider Nation should be concerned with long term with this team? 
I mean, no, I, I think you'd hit the nail right on the head. You know, I, to to quote Aaron Rodgers a little bit here, Raider Nation, let's relax, right? Let's. Uh, I think I even tweeted it out along the same lines that you were uh, uh, during the game. I'm like, Raider Nations are the the pitching in Raider Nations already in midseason form. Like, I think we can relax a little bit. Like you said, it was a it was a uh, five point loss to a team that's probably going to be contending for an AFC title. Um, you know, again still figuring things out on the offensive line. So I think there's there's a lot of good to take away. I know it doesn't feel like it because division losses never feel like never feel good, especially in uh, a division that's supposed to be as comfortable uh, or as uh, tight as the AFC West is this year. But I definitely think, you know, big picture, the Raiders aren't too aren't too far off. They're going to play more teams that they're they're going to have more talent than most of the teams they play this year. You know, yesterday was just unfortunate. It, it sucks. It never, like I said, never, um, never want to lose the opener. Never want to lose lose an opener to a division rival. But it's definitely not time to hit the panic button. Definitely, uh, definitely time to just relax and kind of take it week by week and hopefully get back on track against the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100. percent And one of the things that I've mentioned on the show uh, tonight is that you know I, I, we got to be patient. It's you got a whole new offensive scheme here, whole new defensive scheme, a lot of new personnel. It's going to take a little bit of time. So. Raider Nation, be patient. Uh, Matt Holder, everyone, follow him on Twitter, at mholder95. Read his work on silverandblackpride.com. Listen to his podcast, Part of the Network. Holder's Handful is the title of it. He's putting in the work, so go out there and support him. Matt, thank you again for the time tonight, and uh, we'll get you on again sometime down the road here. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Evan. Appreciate it. All right, good stuff there from Matt Holder. Sounds like we're pretty much on the same page from uh, you know with most of those topics. Most importantly, though, we, we both believe that nothing to worry about uh, Raider Nation after uh, one week of the season. Raiders should be able to get things back on track and into the win column with the home opener coming up this weekend versus the Arizona Cardinals, who were beaten badly by the Kansas City Chiefs. Be on the lookout later in the week for the preview show. It's going to be moved real fast now. Uh, you're going to be hearing from me uh, a couple times a week now that the season is underway as long as you are subscribed. So make sure you go out there and do it. Also, make sure you leave us a positive review and rating. Uh, would love for you to leave us a little bit of feedback um, as well. But it is time for me to say goodbye. Big thanks to our guest, Matt Holder. Until the next time, I hope everyone has a great week. And as always, just win, baby.